Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh man, can you guys make some noise for uh, Kayla Vedetich over here on the keys, holding it down for us. Oh my gosh, her and her amazing husband, Phil, they just took in uh, Honduran refugees late last night into their own home, and she still showed up to play keys and lead us in the presence of the Lord. Can we honor where honors do? Come on. Wow. Um, real quick, do I have any parents in the room? Hands up, you're a parent. All right, is anybody struggling with how to parent kids in this secular culture that we are living in right now? I got three books right now from my good friend Samuel Duth, a great pastor out in Awakening uh, San Diego. I keep wanting to say South Dakota because SD. But San Diego, he's a good man, and uh, he wrote a great book called Seven Biblical Principles on Parenting. He and I just got to preach together in New York, and uh, man, he's, he's a legend. So does anybody want a copy? One, boom, one, two, three, go. You see him. Hands up. Keep your hands up. I pointed at you. I, can't, I pointed at you. All right. Fantastic. Oh, man, I just want to give those out real quick, but goodness, um, hey, uh, who's, uh, who's glad you was in church today? It's like this every week. It's like this every week. Can we praise Jesus one more time? Come on, somebody. Come on. He doesn't show up in every house like this. He doesn't show up in every church like this. He shows up not where he's tolerated, hello, but where he's celebrated, amen? Come on. Too many of us is out here trying to tolerate the presence of God. No, we are bent on, on celebrating, on occupying, on welcoming in the presence of God. Amen. Oh, wow. Lord Jesus, I am, whew, I am shooketh. And the church said we are shooketh. Uh, no, shooketh is not in the King James Bible. Oh, man. But yes. It's so good to be with you guys. It's so good to be in worship. What an incredible time. And I am so pumped about the Hope Network Christmas Drive. If you missed that announcement, we'll hit it again at the end of service. But man, we are partnering with right over here, Hope Network, just right behind us. There is an amazing need this Christmas to come alongside not even just underprivileged uh, children, but completely abandoned you know, not just underserved, but completely uh, abandoned and overlooked. I mean, there are children with autism and, and, and rare issues that don't have people visit them for the holidays, that don't get gifts, that get completely passed by and overlooked. And there's amazing saints at Hope Network who are uh, doing life with them and trying to serve them and love them on this side of heaven. And we're going to join, we're going to join in that. Amen. So starting next week, we will put all the... Um, We'll put like the list out on social media, so look for that this week. Um, we need we didn't get that in time for today, but we will. So next two weeks we'll have a bin out there, start bringing them unwrapped gifts so they can wrap them and disperse them as they see necessary and fit. But let's really get behind Hope Network, and then more than more than that, let's get behind those children. Amen. Come on, somebody, let's make Christmas special for them. Amen. All right, let's go. Okay, fantastic. Well, who's ready for the Word of God? Come on, we are in a series right now, ah, I gotta go quit calling it a series, we're in a season right now, really, of, it's called Pierce the Veil. Now for us, Pierce the Veil is a, is a, is a 
a phrase that the Lord put on my heart to, to really describe what he's been doing in our midst these last number of weeks, really all summer long up until now. He's, he's continued just to show up in so many crazy ways where his presence, his, his tangible presence, like, like the robe of Jesus is just sweeping through this room every single Sunday. Have you touched it? Have you felt it? Have you experienced the tangible presence of God in this room? He just keeps showing up, and, and, and he's been burdening me and Adrienne as the lead pastors here at TakeOver to, to really begin to occupy that intimacy with the Lord, that thin place where he just shows up in anything from heaven, anything from his throne room, anything where Jesus rests at the right hand of the Father is open and available to his children. Amen. And so that's this whole season right now is learning to pierce the veil, occupy the veil, remain in the veil, keep that intimacy with the Lord, not just so we can keep getting the gifts, but so we can ex keep experiencing and stewarding and spending time with the gift giver. Amen. Come on. How many of you know we worship God above his gifts? Amen. His gifts are a byproduct of our relationship. They're not the end all be all. So that is what this is all about. So we're in a season called Pierce the Veil. But if you're taking notes, I believe it is, is it week seven or week? Week six. Come on, somebody said in the back. Oh, taking notes of the title. Huh? It was Kelsey? All right. She's good. Her brain works better than mine. First of all, not, hey, she was about to say that's not a hard job. Hey, ready for the notes? All right. Deliverance to increase. Deliverance to increase. Someone's like, this is my first time here and this dude's about to preach on deliverance. I am. And it is. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. Know what I'm saying? Deliverance to increase. Ready for the scripture? Here we go. Acts 19, 11 through 20. If you have a Bible, I'm coming out of the ESV. Uh, most translations will do besides the TPT and the New King James. I'm kidding. Um, I said that because Mike is really into the TPT right now. Anyways, Acts 19, 11 through 20. He's like, he's like, come on, man. Um, oh, and if you don't have it, it's going to be in the Sky Bible behind you. Give it up for Kenny and Kelsey holding down the booth for us. Come on. How do we know church is not half as good if we can't read and be directed by the screen and the, and the sound can't be as good? Those guys hold it down week in and week out. Acts 19, 11 through 20. If you're there, say I'm there. All right, here we go. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva, we're doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them all, so that they fled out of that house naked, bloody, and wounded. This became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing, divulging their practices. 
And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them all and found it to come out to about 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. We're going to pray and we're going to open that up. Sound good? All right. Let's pray. Father God, right now, God, I just thank you. I thank you before we go any further just for your presence. The fact that you're here, God, means that today has already been enough. Lord, we all know we did not actually come to hear Pastor Matt preach. We all came to hear you preach. We all came to hear your word. It is your word that is life, God. You have the words of life, God. Where else could we go? You have the words of life. So we just come to you right now and we say, let the words of life flow, especially right now, God. There are so many people in this room and in our community, God, who are hurting the holiday seasons, God. They, they could be burdensome for so many, which should be celebratory of your goodness, of your grace, of your mercy, especially on Christmas, of you coming into this world, God, that you have not abandoned us, but you have become Emmanuel, God, with us. But for so many, God, it's marked by pain in our earthly families, betrayals or losses. And so, Father, I ask that you would begin Emmanuel season right now. Would you go to those, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted and you run to the crushed in spirit. Would you, would you draw close to those, God, who are burdened in this season? Would Advent with this season right now, God, would it be a time to draw us into deeper waters of love with you? Re-arouse our hearts, God. Mend what's broken. Suture the tears. Clear the scars. Cut the heart of stone and bring back a heart of flesh. Because, God, we love you. We love you and we want nothing this side of heaven, God, keeping us from that love, experiencing that love, being in your presence, God. So draw near to us in those tender areas. And right now, Lord, would you just come in this room, Holy Spirit, begin to have your way. Begin to do a greater work than I can even do, God. Begin to preach the hearts in ways that I cannot. Lord, right now, we just relent to you and you alone, King Jesus. Right now, God, every single distracting thought in our head, every single thing that we want to do when we get out of here, God, it all burns in your glory right now. We fully surrender. And we thank you for the work you're about to do in all of us, God. Equip your saints, save the lost, and let us continue to minister to you, King Jesus. That is why we are here. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church is ready to get the word of God said. Amen. Come on. Come on. Deliverance to increase. Deliverance to increase. I, uh, I'm trying to really, um, I really want to stay just in this. Do you feel him? Like, like, I'm really excited to be here and I'm really pumped to preach this message, but he's, he is weighty in this moment. So I'm really going to try and keep in step with the Spirit today, okay? So if I'm talking different, I'm preaching different, it's not because I'm coming at you with a cricket bat. It's because I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep in step 
with the Spirit. Amen? Deliverance to increase. Deliverance to increase. You see, I think we can look at the church right now, and we've been talking about this for a great number of, uh, of messages, and last week really reformation unto revival was the pivot that we needed in this season right now to begin to understand that 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 the the things that God is reawakening in his bride right now the things that God is reawakening in his bride for Jesus right now aren't just the you know, it's not just this awestruck wonder getting lost in the prophetic sauce. I mean, the prophetic sauce is my favorite sauce. Amen? Like, I'm not a ranch guy. Ranch makes me throw up. But I love the prophetic sauce. Uh, it's my only sauce. I love it. It's fantastic. I am so here for 10-minute worship songs and getting lost in the wonder of God and just going after his presence because that is what the church has always been about. Up until about 30 years ago in America. But right now, I think we can begin to look and be in the season where we're shifting into understanding that occupying the intimacy with the Lord isn't so much about, or only so much about, creating an altar for him to rest upon in this room or creating a home for him to reside in. Now, once we have that, once that has been achieved, once he has taken up residency among his people, there's got to be this question, now, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Now that we have the king's attention, what do we ask for? What do we... What do we talk to him about? What do we lean into? And this is truly where we are at in this season because right now there's just this reawakening in the bride of all these gifts beginning to emerge. And we talked about it last week. There's these two identities in the bride right now. There's the ones when Jesus says, come away with me. There's a bride like us that are ready. Our oil is filled, our lamps are on, and we are waiting for the bridegroom when he comes. And when he goes, come away with me, we're ready to worship. We're ready to give. We're ready to get in the word. We're ready to steward the moment. Whatever he chooses to do, we are with bated breath going, we're ready. Amen. And then there's this other identity in the bride that's emerging that is more interested in conforming to the ways of this world. You see, because for... 30 years, we spent time making seeker-friendly churches instead of being seeker churches. Are you hearing me? We have been building organizations and flow charts and creating an institution that conforms to the world in hopes of informing the world. But that's not what we saw with Jesus, that's not what we see with his disciples, and that's not what we read in the Bible, and that is not what 2,000 years of church history has taught anybody. What we've done is we have conformed to inform, but what we should have been doing was informing to conform. Let me explain. You see... God made you and me malleable. 
He made you and me clay. We are literally spit in mud, moved together by the Father's hands, and then he breathed a life into us. We are clay. We were made to conform. We were made to be malleable. We were made to be adjustable. We were made to be molded into an image and likeness. Problem is, 30 years ago, we thought we could reach more people if we looked like other people. But Jesus never had to look like anybody else to reach anybody else. Jesus never had to integrate to save. Jesus never had to camouflage to fit in and then win souls over. No, Jesus simply needed to be Jesus. And yes, sure, Peter could have done with some change, quicker change earlier on, a little bit more teachable kind of guy, a little get-along to go-along kind of a thing. But even Peter, when it would have served him better to not be himself, still chose to remain who Jesus made him to be. Audacious and crazy and wild. He didn't have to conform to fit the culture. He had to conform to the image and likeness of Christ to inform the culture. We have spent too much time conforming to a culture that wants nothing to do with us in hopes of informing them instead of informing ourselves about Lord Jesus and conforming to his image and likeness. That is what we have done. And so right now, I just say, that stops with us. That is D-O-A, dead on arrival with us. Amen. We will be holy and reach the world. We will be set apart and reach the world. We will be different and reach the world. Amen. Am I, are, am I, are you hearing me this morning? We will be holy and reach the world. Can I just say something really controversial for the first time ever? <laughs> holy lives matter. Yeah, let's print that on a t-shirt. Seriously, holy lives matter. Hear me. Holy lives matter. Some of us think that's a political statement. It's not. Some of us think that's a riff on another thing. It is. Some of us are offended. You should be. Some of us aren't. You're living it. But the matter of fact that we need to get on the inside of us is that God still requires holiness from his bride. He is preparing a bride for Jesus. Do you understand that? He's preparing you for his son. You are God's gift to Jesus. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Holy lives matter. Except for when we riot, we don't burn down buildings with fire and bricks. No, we set a revival in the hearts of men. We take a city by fire of God. Amen? Come on. Holy lives matter. We will. I'm saying it again. And I will hear about it later. You said it too many times. I don't give a rip. We will be holy and we will reach the world. We will be different and we will reach the world. We will be consecrated and set apart for Lord Jesus and reach the world. Amen? That's who we are. In this region, 
in this region. This region has been our mandate. This is what the Lord has given to us. Hear me today. Given to us. He actually entrusted you with West Michigan. Not just me. Not just Pastor Adrienne. But you with the flag. You're awesome. And God has given you this region. By the way, I love that. So next time, you just come up here. Uh, that was amazing. Keep coming back. Um, this is the freaking greatest thing ever. Just week after week, God just keeps doing things. I'm like, yes, finally, the dream is happening. <sighs> but, but are you seeing what I'm saying? Listen to me. You are in this region on assignment, on mission, with a purpose. Okay? And it goes far beyond however you grew up whatever your theological understanding is, your background, however educated or uneducated in the ways of God you may be, if you submit your life to Lord Jesus, he has a place and a part for you to play in this region, in this hour, for such a time as this. Amen. You are not here by accident. You are predestined and preplanned for this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it is to bring about a great move of God, the greatest move of God the earth has ever seen. Amen. You see, here's the deal. Right now, I just proclaim death to the five-year plan. Death to the five-year plan. I am so sick and tired. What's the five-year plan for church? I don't have a five-year plan for church. I have a 5,000-year plan for church. The five-year plan burned in the glory of God a long time ago. I have a 5,000-year plan, church. You want to know what that is? 5,000 years of human history so far. We are joining in. We are sowing ourselves in. There has been a bride that has been growing and brewing, and there's been a remnant of her in our country for a while, and only few houses have attained it, few houses have experienced it, few rooms in the kingdom of God have tasted and seen what he's doing in this hour. And right now I am telling you, we are one of them, we will remain one of them, and that is where we put our sword and what hill we put it on. 5,000-year plan. I'm not interested in a five-year plan. See, here's the deal. Too many of us pastors, we're too concerned. We're too concerned. Got a five-year plan, want to hit these numbers. Our people this, our people that. Let me tell you some of the freest things the Lord is teaching me right now. You belong to him. You don't belong to me. Which means I don't have to perform to keep you. It means I have to perform to be kept by him. That's so liberating to me. That means I'm not controlled by whether you show up to church or not. That means my fruit ain't bitter because you're not growing any. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. I love you to death, but guess what? This is where you should be. This is where you belong. But before you belong here, you belong to him. And it's my job as your pastor. You know what my job is? My job is to pastor you unto the chief pastor, the high priest. 
the perfect pastor. Lord Jesus, amen. Everything I do is to make sure that you are living the God-given life that he has made available to you and then usher you unto him. That is what we do here. You belong to Jesus. Somebody say, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I am a member, I am a part of the family of Takeover Church, but I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. This is the reawakening of the bride right now. This is that intimacy with him. This is what he's doing in the earth right now. He is bringing about a bride that again remembers who she is. You are not a weak bride. You are not an impotent bride. You are not a shy bride. You are not a shrinking back with no spine bride. No, you are beautiful, laced in white, without blemish, pure and blameless, strong, with your own sword, ready to chop the dragon's head off as they come for you. Amen. Until Lord Jesus arrives. The worst thing we ever did was tell you that the rapture was going to happen and God was going to take us up out of it. Wonder why? One, it's not in the Bible. Sorry. Post-tribulation is actually theologically correct. Pre-trib doesn't exist. Wonder why? Because people in China are already experiencing tribulation. We will too. But that's because Jesus isn't on a rescue mission when he comes back. He's not. Him bringing us with him, that's not a rescue mission. This isn't even in my notes, but you got to understand this. That's not a rescue mission. He's not, he's not coming in James Bond style and, and, and stealing you out of the grips of hell. No, 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 he already has you. He's already strengthening you. He's already preparing you. He's already making you beautiful. He's already making you strong. He's already putting his Holy Spirit in your spine. He's already set you apart. He's already made you ready for the fight. He doesn't need to take you out of it. You're here to bring more people with you. Amen? We're the rescue mission. He's coming back to let all of hell, earth, and every other single thing know he is the one. Amen? So right now, I'm loving seeing this prophetic reemergence in the church. And it is. It is. There are some things that are reemerging in the church for the first time that we haven't seen in some number of, of years, especially in America. But... There's all these reemergence of the gifts of the Spirit and all these things are going on. And we love prophecy, don't we? Right? Who doesn't love a good prophetic word? Oh, man, God, he told me today he's got me a husband. Girl, he does got you a husband. Yeah, but he's 6'2", looks like the brawny man's got a beard, perfect job, loves Jesus. And it's like, you know... God does have a husband to you, for you, but can I tell you the key to unlocking the prophetic? See, the prophetic is a lock. The prophetic is a door. The prophetic is an opportunity. The prophetic is an, is an invitation that God sets before you, but there is a key that he has to first give you to open up that prophetic word in order for you to walk into it. You want to know what it is? It's called death. Some of us are like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's a skeleton key. 
opens up every room in the house that God has made available to you. Problem is you have to die to enter it. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? The gateway into prophetic words for your life is death, which means, ladies, God has a husband for you. However, 6-2 may not be in the cards. You may need to die to 6-2 to get a 5-7 man who is 7-4 in the spirit and who will never cheat on you, who will love you, who will take care of you, and who will remain faithful to you and keep the Bible at the center of all that you do. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? West Michigan, let the 6-2 dream boat die so that glory can live. I'm not just preaching so the 5-7 brothers like me have a chance. God did a miracle with Adrienne. She's six foot eight. Keeps me looking to Jesus, though. You know what I'm saying? He's so good looking. Oh, thanks, babe. No, I'm talking to Jesus. You're good, too, though. Real good. See, we love, we love prophecy. But what we never talk about, we, in the prophetic sauce, we never talk about the secret ingredient. We just want to get lost in the sauce. We just want to swirl. We just want to do that for all these hours. And I love it. And I affirm it. And I am so for it. We have nights and mornings and all these things set apart to that. But the only way you will achieve, obtain, unlock, and walk into everything that God has for you is you have to die. Jesus himself said, he that first wants his life must lose his life. You want to find life, Jesus says, you got to lose yours. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, not you. Friends, can I just tell you, every, every, every opportunity to die is an invitation to resurrection. Every opportunity to die is an invitation to resurrection. Too many Christians today, too many of us are living hesitant to die to ourselves. And have we forgotten that we serve the God of resurrection? Every opportunity to die is an invitation to the resurrection life. Are you hearing me this morning? Am I preaching to alive people this morning? Are your hearts receiving this this morning? Because this is one of these things, man, right now God is reawakening this in his bride and prophecy is flowing, gifts are flowing, all of these things. Suddenly the impossible is becoming possible. We are under the spout where the spirit comes out, baby, and we are moving in step with the spirit. But every step he takes is a step that you have to die in. I love that song, where you go, I go, what you say, I say, right? We love that song. Problem is, you have to die to what, where you want to go to go where he wants to go. You have to die to what you want to say to say what he wants to say. You got to die to what you want to pray to pray to what he wants to pray. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Man, we've got to get good at dying if we want to get good at living. I am telling you. I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you, this is a word for the church in this hour. When we were in New York City, three different times, hear me today, I got reminded of a prophetic word in the middle of lower Manhattan. I've never been. 
I've never met these people besides my friend David before. Never been. Three different conversations before I even preached. Three different conversations. Three different people. And three different complete moments in time separate from each other. I received the same prophetic word three times that I first received when I was 16 years old, first meeting Jesus. I'm not going to share what the prophetic word was because I think it's, I don't think it's seasoned right now to share that publicly. But I want to tell you about, I want to tell you about it around it. Because for me, I thought I'd, I've turned 32. And between 16 and 32 is 16 years. And I thought I did too much in 16 years to forfeit those words. And not only did I not deserve the opportunity to go and preach at this conference and do all the things that God did in that and through me, and it's amazing. I, I'm not worthy of any of it. But the cherry on top, he didn't have to meet me there in the way that he did, reminding me the same words he spoke to me. Well, 16 years ago. And so there's so much to do. We're seeing all the sights and we're meeting all the people and we're doing all the stuff. And it was such an amazing time. And, and God's really doing stuff. And every time my heart is still just drifting back to those moments because one is like, oh, wow, yeah, somebody said that to me when I was 16. And well, back to this thing. And then all of a sudden you're stopped again and God's like, no, you're not getting it. And he sends somebody else to say the same message. And then it's like, oh, wow, that's twice now. That's crazy. Okay, wow, yeah, Statue of Liberty and da-da-da-da-da-da. And we're doing the whole thing, right? And then all of a sudden another one because I wasn't getting it. And I'm like, God, what are you what, are you faithful or something? <laughs> what, are you actually a man of your word? And it was that Sunday morning. We weren't on anything or asked to do anything. We just got to go and attend and get filled up because, yes, even while I am up here every single Sunday going, be in church, get under the word, be in worship, guess what your pastors are doing? Even when we're invited to go somewhere else, even when we could have been walking around the city, seeing sights and making memories, we were still found in the house of God, worshiping him and getting fed. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't tell you to do what I say and not as I do. We hope to lead by example. But I'm in the middle of worship and they have this moment. It's really unique and I hope we can kind of institute it here actually. It's beautiful. And Pastor David, he got up and he goes, we're just going to wait on the Lord. All the instruments stop. Everything happens. Holy Spirit, which is our custom, come speak prophetically to us. And it was in that moment my hands just opened that I felt this key get just, just this heavy key. Just, just this weight dumped in my hands and I'm weeping. And they're not really like a weeping church, okay? I was on my knees like three times the whole weekend and everyone was going, this dude got a demon? Like what's going with him? What you repenting for over there? New Yorkers, so judgmental. 
And uh, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. And the Lord, I go, what is this? And he says, he repeats those words to me that he spoke. And he goes, I will such and such, but you have to keep on dying. I will do that. That will be your destiny. That is where you are going. Same place. But for 16 years, you didn't keep dying. You died some of the time. But you didn't keep dying. And I want to tell you today, keep dying. Because I'm telling you, words are going to be released in this house that are going to change our region. Things have been prophesied over this house that are going to change our region. We are going to do some incredible things for God. Give you a couple of numbers. 2028, 2020, 2030. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Huh? Same thing. 2028, 20, 2030. 20, Just a foretaste. You know what would be really amazing is if you were really about this takeover church life, you start asking the Lord to reveal that to you. God, what'd you tell Matt about those years? Put that in me so I can come alongside and shepherd that. How can I steward that? But keep on dying. I am telling you, there are things that you still have to taste and see. But I am telling you, it tastes better in death because it's death found in Christ, which is your resurrected life. Amen? Amen. Everything is better with Jesus. Everything. Well, Pastor Matt, what does this have to do with deliverance, everything. You see, deliverance is another one of those ministries that is re-emerging in the church right now. And you want to know why? Because deliverance is literally delivering us from death. I like to think of it this way. De-live-rinse. De-live-rinse. D, live, rinse. Rinse me of the things that cause me to de-live. De-live, die. Create death within myself. Rinse me of the things that cause me to de-live. Are you hearing me this morning? Rinse me of the things that cause me to de-live, to die, to regress, to wither, to shrink back, to create death within my own self. Friends, I came today to tell you deliverance is for today, deliverance is for me, and deliverance is my ministry. Will you repeat that after me? Because I need you to get this on the inside of you. We will be that church. Hear me? Ready? Repeat after me. Deliverance is for today. Deliverance is for me. Deliverance is my ministry. Come on, somebody. Now you're in the, now you're in the platoon, can't get out. Got your assignment. 
It is. Deliverance is for today. Deliverance just didn't suddenly, suddenly stop. Demons didn't suddenly stop possessing people. Demons didn't suddenly stop possessing Christians, okay? They didn't suddenly stop and shrink back and go, well, you know, they're real advanced and uh, they got their phones to entertain them. I guess we don't need to take them on. No, no, no. Demons didn't stop. They just got better at hiding. Want well, to know why they're so good at hiding? Because we quit teaching. We quit preaching. They're so good at hiding because we created camouflage for them. It's called ignorance. We would rather you dress up on Sunday than shake you down at the altar and rend you of anything that is possessing you. Why? Because it keeps order, keeps the lights on, keeps everyone feeling comfortable and safe. And I'm looking at the Bible going, where's comfortable and safe? Where'd that book? Oh, it's in Palm somewhere. Bro, you can't even say it. Where is comfortable and safe? No, 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 no. Deliverance. Deliverance. See, the problem is we decided we were going to get real seeker friendly with it. That we didn't want to go, you know what? I, I think the fact that you're so overrun with sexual desire, you might have a succubus. And we should probably pray about that. You know what? You might have some issues going on, and we should probably fast and pray about that. You might have something compelling you on the inside. Well, I just don't feel like I have much control. Yeah, something does. Because you are doing things, whether you're giving license or credence to it or not, you are resigned to its compulsion. But we have been designed to only be compelled by one man, and his name is Christ. Amen? It's not Jezebel. It's not Legion. It's not Baal. It's not Moloch. No, we are compelled by Christ alone. Amen? Amen. But see, we quit preaching about it because the second pastors start telling people, uh, you know, Sin is a problem. Well, I don't think I like this church no more. Tell me I can't keep sleeping with every dude on the team. I don't like this church no more. All of a sudden we start saying sin, demonic, witchcraft. The things you're playing with are playing with you. The things that you think are fun and games are actually opening up things that you don't understand. The things that you're getting involved in are actually overthrowing you and your morals are being absorbed and realigned to look more like the kingdom of darkness and less like the kingdom of light. Your infrastructure more, looks more like hell than it does heaven. I preach to anybody this morning. But we want to care about keeping the lights on and keeping our paychecks and keeping our people fed and keeping our live stream going for people we'll never meet, whose opinions we don't care about, but it dang good on social media, doesn't it? What are we doing? People are living under the compulsion of hell, and Jesus is going, what did I go to the cross for, pastor? Preach to them. And I'm going, yeah, 
Jesus going, what did I save you for? What did I give you a dream for? What prophetic words did I speak into your life? If you're not going to die to yourself and your insecurities and preach, pastor. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. It's the same message to you this morning as he's preaching to me. Why did I kick the devil in the teeth and take back the keys to eternity? Why did I send my son Jesus to that cross? Why did I bring about the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help you have a relationship with me every step of the way? Why did I go to the lengths if we were just going to allow people to be ransacked by hell every day of their life? Why, pastor? See, I love, I love this portion of scripture. Because in this moment, is the Lord moving in this place or is it just me? Come on. It's more than just preaching. He is working on hearts. Devils are getting pissed right now. I like that. Too many Christians don't want hell to know their name because they are afraid of it. Can I tell you this? We have allowed, we have allowed Hollywood to disciple deliverance because we refuse to. And so now we got the Conjuring series freaking telling people that dollars are going to start spinning around and ruin their lives when it's like, no, you are the bride of Christ. You are stronger than hell. Hear me? Come on, somebody say, I am stronger than hell. He that is in you is still greater than he that is in the world. But we've allowed Hollywood to touch the subjects we refuse to disciple. I'm sick of it. You don't get to win on my ignorance. You don't get to win on my benign attitude. You don't get to win on my lazy, lethargic idiocy. No. We are training up Christians, are we not? Hamza will be training up Christians. Small Christians, big Christians. So I love this portion of scripture because here's the Apostle Paul. He is messing things up in Ephesus. Messing things up in Ephesus. It's amazing. What ends up happening here is the context. How many of you know, again, context is king, so I love my context. I'm not here to back up my words. I'm here to back up his, okay? His words are the life. So Paul, he's the man. He's in Ephesus. Ephesus, just so you know, is modern-day Turkey, okay? So right over there, the Eastern European area, that's Ephesus. Ephesus was this amazing infrastructure place. They had an economy unlike any other. Ephesus was actually, you want to hear something really crazy? Ephesus is the first place that silver or gold was used as monetary value. That's where this all takes place. Ephesus, book of Ephesians, first place in world history that used literal coins. First time. Amazing. Amazing. They started currency. And the thing about their currency is that was what everything revolved around. They had this thing, either it depends if you're, if you're Greek or you're Jewish, depending on kind of uh, your cultural worldview, you would either call it the temple of Diana or the temple of Artemis. It's the same thing. And what would happen is this was a place where everyone would go and they would worship her. She was this fertility goddess, this sex goddess. She's the one that has all the things that she's holding. 
And I said it inappropriate last time that I talked about it. And I heard about it. Anyways. You can look it up. Oh, Artemis, Diana, go for it. And in this temple, it was in the middle of it. And it was where everything went. And in order to do banking, in order to go to a theater show, a musical show, restaurants, trade, make money, find a job, maybe you want to meet a spouse. This is kind of where it would all happen. Even Jewish synagogue still took place inside of the same giant temple that was for a pagan sex goddess, Diana Artemis. Does that make sense? And so Paul, he comes on the scene. He comes on the scene and suddenly he starts preaching and people are upset. People are so upset because people start getting saved. And all of a sudden Paul, Paul meets some disciples. This all happens right up in the chapter 19. You can you scroll right up this week and check this out. It's bananas. He meets 12 disciples. Not Jesus' 12. He's 12 disciples. And he's like, oh my gosh, brothers, sisters, what is going, come on, family hug, bring it in. We're doing amazing things for the Lord here. And they're like, yeah, this is incredible. And he goes, tell me, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they're like, who? Who, 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 who? Who? What's the Holy Spirit? What's that about? Paul's like, what? You don't have the Holy Spirit? Like, now nah, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Paul's like, well, tell me, in whom were you baptized? And they were like, oh, we were baptized in John's baptism, water baptism. And Paul says something incredible here that we miss. We miss, we overlook, we don't understand, we pass by it. And it is so huge. It's a big one. And Paul says, so you've not been baptized in Jesus. He goes, you've been baptized in a baptism of repentance, but not of power. What Paul is saying here is that you have washed the outside of the cup, but we still need to rinse the inside. Deliverance. And so what he does is he lays hands on the 12 and they all receive the Holy Spirit. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. Start talking in tongues, things start happening, all this stuff is going on. And all of a sudden, these boys and girls, they are really alive. Not only have they now heard about Jesus because of, of John's words and hearing the message of Jesus and being baptized like that, but now they are filled with the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the grave. The same Spirit that if you had the Holy Spirit today, have raised Christ from the dead. I think if you took a sober moment and you actually thought about that and you went, wait, you telling me the same spirit that Jesus walked in while he was on earth, fully man, fully God, underneath complete compulsion of the Holy Spirit, he's the example, he's the forerunner of what it looks like for a human life to be fully submitted to the Holy Spirit. Okay, hear me. He is God. He was fully God, fully man. Holy Spirit was in him. And then that same spirit, 2,000 years ago, rose him from the pits of hell, brought him back, not just to life, but a renewed man, forever seated at the right hand of the Father. That spirit lives on the inside of you. 
you are the dangerous dead resurrected. You are the dangerous dead resurrected. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. You are the dangerous dead resurrected. And so things start going crazy. And, and this is where the story picks up because Paul is just messing things up. Because again, their entire infrastructure revolves around Diana worship. Diana worship, often you would engage in sexual acts as worship unto Diana. It's nasty, okay? Actually, it kind of looks a lot like America in 2022. Anyways, it's gross. And so Paul, he is preaching the gospel. People are coming alive, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we're seeing all of this happen. And all of a sudden, people are hearing about this. And Paul, he is sending out handkerchiefs that he has put oil on and prayed over and is going out. And bodies are being healed and demons are fleeing at the touch of a cloth. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is what it looks like. This is the inception of the Christian. This is what the beginnings of a Christian life should look like. How many of our Christian lives began like that? Not many, because we have lived in sanitary Christianity. Not Holy Spirit-filled Christianity. I preach to anybody today. Come on, there is a Spirit-filled and there is a sterilized, and we have tasted one of them and we have foregone the other. We need the Spirit of God again. Amen? We've always needed Him. We just thought we needed people and seats more. Well, if we could just get Him here, then we can get Him the Spirit. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul did. He preached, filled them with the Spirit. And so he starts sending these things out. And we've actually practiced this because for me, if it's in the Bible, I'm taking a swing. We have printed cloths. We have prayed over them. We have sent them out. We've done the whole thing. God's been good. We got a woman in Australia who keeps kicking stage four cancers, but for days, and God knows that doctors wanted her and thought she was going to die a long time ago, but her daughter Chantel, hey, is celebrating her birthday. Her mom is alive. She is with us, and she is vibrant, and she is beautiful, and Yvette is going, and we sent one way down under. This is what we do. So if it doesn't violate Scripture, and we see them do it, we're going to take a swing, and we're going to believe God to be faithful. Amen. We're that church. I want us to be known in our region, not just for our long services, not for our great worship, not for our okay preaching. I want us to be known as people who've been with Jesus, believe Jesus, live like Jesus, act like Jesus, are bold like Jesus, are audacious, crazy, and wild, and willing to go after the things of God for the glory of God in the earth again. Amen? And so this amazing thing happens, and all of a sudden there's this itinerant exorcist, which I love, by the way. I didn't know you could be an itinerant exorcist, an itinerant Jewish exorcist. An itinerant is like, uh, like if I decided to forego leading a church and just be like a traveling preacher, you know what I'm talking about? You've seen those guys? Okay, like conference preachers. They got four messages, and that's the last time they heard from God. Those guys. So there's an itinerant exorcist. And the itinerant exorcist, he starts hearing about these stories of Paul and the disciples here in Ephesus. And he's going, wow, they're sending out cloths in Jesus' name. And we're seeing this. And I'm over here, like, 
rubbing, you know, shells together, trying to rend the heavens and, and get God to do something and just like drowning people and waterboarding them. It's not working. And all of a sudden, they start going, I assure you, I assure you, in Jesus' name, whom Paul preaches. And so all of a sudden, these seven Jewish boys, the seven sons of Sceva, see Sceva, Sceva's like me, he's a, he's, a, he's a lead pastor of a church, basically. He's the high priest of this church. And these are the PKs, so you know the PKs are up to no good, okay? You know they dumb. They just, they getting up to no good, being silly, Martin name, mom knows what's up. Oh my gosh, she is just looking at Phil right now going, uh-huh, uh-huh, PKs. So they all, they get wild. These PKs, they're going, oh my gosh, this, this itinerant exorcist, he was just like, oh my gosh. Like the conference was amazing. Hillsong United was there. The lights were like, ah! I don't know where I was. And then all of a sudden, you know, this guy had this wet look going on. His jeans are really tight. And he was like, I assure you, in Jesus' name, whom Paul preaches. And I was like, moved. Conference changed my life. You ever met that person? Conference changed me. It did. It did. It was the Lord, but I hear what you're saying. And so these boys, they come across this demon-possessed man. And they're like... Well, I heard my favorite conference preacher said this, or I heard my favorite pastor said this, or I saw this clip on Instagram and they said this, and so we might as well try it. And all of a sudden, they go to this demon-possessed man, and they thought just because they saw the big dog at the conference say it, because their dad had repeated it, because they were at church one day and they heard this, that they thought they had the same power, even though those guys did not themselves either. And these seven boys, seven of them, they go, I assure you, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and the demon laughs. Oh, that's funny. Because Jesus, Jesus, I know. I mean, he touched down in hell. He punched the boss man. He took some keys and some other things and left a bunch of cats. And it was weird, but he's really messing things up for us down there. And Paul, Paul, I sure heard of him too because he's, he's kind of messing things up for us up here. He casted one of us out of this demon girl, and I know they threw him in prison for it, but man, that, he shut down an entire economy over there last time. So, like, Jesus I know, Paul I've heard of, but who are you? Seven of them. You know what that means? There was a collective. There was a collective of people who had a belief, who had a thought, who had an idea, and had zero power. <laughs> Let that sober us. Because often they, they look more like us than we do Paul. Do you know what an azure is? I assure you, it is the strongest demand. That's the definition. The strongest, the highest, the greatest, the mightiest demand possible. The greatest authority, the seal above all seals, the stamp above all stamps, the javel of all javels. I demand in the highest you leave. Can I tell you today, it doesn't matter how high the demand if there's no power to back it up. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. There is no power to back it up. And so many of us Christians, we live powerless lives. We are raising high demands with no power to back it up. 
You want to know why these boys had no power? Because they haven't been with Jesus. These boys haven't been with Jesus. They're not Christians. They're not saved. And if they were saved, they haven't been with Jesus. Because if you've been with Jesus, the devil knows you've been with Jesus. If you've been with Jesus, demons know you've been with Jesus. A.K.A. they knew who Paul was. If you've been with Jesus, hell will know you've been with Jesus. Let me ask you today, take over church. When the devil has come for your marriage, did the devil know you've been with Jesus? When the devil came for your sexuality, young man, did he know you've been with Jesus? When he came for your finances, did he know you've been with Jesus? When he came to you with suicidal thoughts to take your own life, did he find that he was fooled and that you had been with Jesus? I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. So Matt, where do we get the power? Intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus. You see, deliverance, deliverance is just freedom over and over again. You see, when you, when you get saved, can I encourage you this morning? When you get saved, how many of you remember that day you got saved? You met Jesus. Whoo! What a day! Best day of my life. Best day of my life. I may have not been the best dead man all those years I should have been, but I never looked back. I loved that day. Changed me forever. Literally. Changed you forever. Think about it. Literally. <gasps> forever changed. But see, you were saved that day and you were delivered that day. But being saved from, no, being saved out of and delivered from are two different things. Jesus saved you from the grips of hell and he will spend the rest of your days on this life delivering you from the things of hell you still have a grip on. I'm appreciating you this morning. That is deliverance, deliverance, rinsing you of the things that cause you to de-live, to die, to create death within yourself. As a Christian, you can have whatever you want. Jesus literally said that, ask for anything. Floodgates are open. So if you want to live bound up by demons, you can certainly do that. Or if you want a Holy Spirit fresh rinse on the inside of that cup, that can happen. You see, Jesus, he preaches a message and he talks about this, this man that he set free. He goes, this guy, he had all these demons, right? And he goes, and I set the demons free. I let them out of them. Problem was, he didn't keep his house clean. And when he didn't keep his house clean... This demon's cousins, yeah, demons have cousins. It's a weird thing. Angels got cousins. It's a whole thing. It's a family affair that needs to die, okay? <laughs> it's bad. And he goes, because he didn't keep his house clean, they came back. And Jesus says this, and the man was worse off than when I set him free. Hear that. You can be saved and you can be delivered. But if you don't continue to get delivered from the things that cause you to de-live, you will live a Christian life that is worse off than the day Jesus saves you from. Are you hearing me? So many Christians today are living lives that are worse off as saved Christians on their way to heaven 
than they were before they met Jesus. Well, Pastor Matt, that doesn't make any sense. I know. That's what Jesus is saying. It's perplexing. It's confusing. And not only were these boys then leaped on and beaten and ran through the streets of, of Ephesus, stark butt naked and bloodied, the name started getting around about what had happened. And this looks like the Christian life for so many people because we refuse to get intimate with Jesus, because we refuse to let him into those areas and re-examine us again. Bless you, my love. It, we refuse to spend time and make time and purpose time. You will never find time to be with Jesus. You'll never find time. You have to spend it. You have to make it. You have to set it apart. You have to consecrate it. You have to fight for your time with Jesus like he is fighting for you. Because it's in that time that is deliverance. Give me five more minutes and we will land this bird. Five more minutes. Because here's what happened next. And this is important. Word gets out. Seven Jewish boys running stark naked through the streets of Ephesus, bloodied and beaten, screaming about demons. What is the church's response? It's not laughter. Ha <laughs> ha, should have been with Jesus. That wasn't it. It wasn't judgment. Serves you right, you need Jesus. It wasn't judgment. The church's response wasn't to mock outward, but instead investigate inward. And the church's response, they start going, oh my gosh. All right, demons are still here. They're still in our city. If they're going to be in our city, we have to make sure it doesn't get in the church. What do we do? Deliverance. Literally, it says, everyone grew in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? They were scared of failing God because he is reverent and holy. And they knew, they knew that they knew that they knew that they had a real relationship with God and a real chance at the life that he offers them. And they took that with the most reverence possible and they began to inwardly examine their lives and go, what can we toss over that will make sure that we don't sink when a demon comes? And so all of a sudden it says this, they started confessing and divulging their practices to one another. They had a deliverance service. They got together as the church and they gathered the saints and they go, okay, let's get it out on the table right now. What are you, how are you sinning? No, 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 we don't got time for the games. Demons are here. They're real. It's going down. They just beat up seven Jewish boys. And if we're going to be strong enough to exercise them ourselves, deliverance is for the Christian first and then the non-believer second. Because you cannot take people where you've not been and you cannot give them what you have not have. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. If you have not been delivered yourself, you will never deliver anybody else. And they knew that and they start going, come on guys, where are you sending? Cheating on your wife still? Let's talk about it. Let's get it out. Come on, right now. No shame. Let's get it out right now. We need to. We cannot give the devil a foothold at all in the church. Hear me. We have to stand strong in this hour in Ephesus. Ephesus' future in heaven is decided by how we see deliverance now. In the church, they took this with the highest the highest reverence possible, and they started confessing because exposure to the light kills every bit of darkness. 
I'm preaching to anybody this morning. They weren't scared of demons. They were scared of failing God. They weren't scared of bringing on puppy dog little devil boy. Jesus already beat him. They knew that. They just didn't want to fail Jesus. They, have you ever thought about that? If I do this right now, I'm not just failing my marriage. I'm failing Jesus. Is there grace? Yeah. Is there mercy? Yeah. Is there forgiveness? Yeah. All on the other side of repentance. But how often do we actually repent when we know that we just failed Jesus? What if we kept ourselves from having to get back to that place? Instead, we just honor Jesus and not fail Jesus. They started confessing and divulging anything they could think of. Ah, I looked at a girl's butt. (laughs) Right? That's good, Tom. That's peeping Tom. It's good. Keep keep talking. Anybody else? And they keep doing it. And then all of a sudden they go, well, you know what? We are in Ephesus after all. We were all raised here. and We've all worshipped and we've all done things for Diana. You know, I got some books at home still. Just because it's cultural. I got some movies at home still because it's cultural. I got some statues at home still because it was cultural. I got some entertainment magazines because it was cultural. I got, I've got some, some Diana games at home because it was cultural. And I'm not, even, I'm not even legalistic here, friends. I'm simply saying this is what the church's response to the demonic is. We look inward and we go, how do we make sure it doesn't get in here? And so what do they do? They're not just confessing and divulging because talk is cheaper in the church than it is in the streets. Talk is cheaper in the church than it is in the streets. Talk is cheap in the church. They're going, no, we're not just going to talk it. We're going to be about it. And they run home. They pause deliverance service. Amy quits singing. And they go home real quick. And they come back. And they come back and there are altars set up. And they start burning They start burning the things that have led them astray. The things that they thought were harmless because it was culture. Harmless because it was the world that we live in. Everybody has one. Everybody's doing it. It's what we all did back when we were young. It's what we all did back in the day. Everybody has it. And it's like, why do you have what everybody else has when you should be having what nobody else has? Did you catch that? Like, why do we still possess what everybody else has when we have a treasure that nobody else has? And they go, yeah, yeah, we need, to, we need to burn it. We need to burn it. And they start calculating. Why? Because uh, everything revolved around money there. And they were like, oh, wow, that's that much. And that's that much. And they're burning that. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. And they're burning and they're burning and they're burning and they're burning. And they calculate it. And it is, are you ready for this? What did they say? Eh. Here you go, 50,000 pieces of silver. That means that is $49,970 more than Judas got for killing Jesus. Did you hear that? 49,970 more shekels of silver than Judas got for betraying Jesus. 
the cost to burn that which will ultimately burn you is a lesser cost to pray, to pay than the cost it costs to get burned by it. Christians, we need to eat whatever the cost is. Worship team, you can make your way up here. We need to eat the cost, whatever it is, to kill our flesh and walk in the spirit. To put to death our flesh and walk in the spirit. That's what deliverance is. Deliverance at its core is putting to death our flesh and the things of it that open us up to the demonic, to the witchcraft, to the principalities of darkness and unseen places that are playing games with Christians and in and infiltrating churches and allowing us, allowing us to live lesser lives than Jesus paid for. Some would even say worse off than before they met Jesus. We've got to get back to the intimate place of deliverance again. Why do you think we're seeing so many worship leaders fall on a worldwide scale right now? It's because the only time they're intimate with the Lord is when they are on stage in front of people and getting paid to do it. The world calls that solicitation and prostitution. When the Christian comes up with a term for it, I'm not sure what it is yet, but we need to be delivered from it. Are you hearing me? Would you stand? Because it's in the intimacy with Jesus that you are gonna find the riches of life. It's where you're gonna find deliverance, where you can be rinsed of the things that lead you down paths of de-living, degressing, dying, creating death in yourself and death in those around you. Think about it. Think about the great exploits that we've all done when we are compelled by the Spirit. And think about the great harm that we've done to ourselves and those around us when we are compelled by our flesh. See, I think of Adam. Under the Spirit, he's the great multiplier. Under his flesh, He's the world breaker. He broke the world. I think of David. David, under the spirit. You hearing me? Under the spirit, he's the giant killer. Under his flesh, he's the husband killer. Abraham, under the spirit, the father of many nations. Under his flesh, the father of the bastard child, Ishmael. Elijah, under the spirit, fire's coming down, burning 400 prophets of Baal, doing amazing work for God. Under the flesh, one woman, Jezebel, writes him a letter and says she's going to kill him, and he runs and almost commits suicide under a tree until an angel saves his life and gives him some cake. Judas, Judas was there. He went into all the world. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed the leper. He casted out demons under the spirit. Under his flesh, he betrayed and killed Jesus. Peter, under the spirit, Christ, where else will we go? You have the words of life. In the flesh, the day Jesus was killed, 
he cusses out a little girl and says, I've never even heard of the man. Friends, deliverance is for today. Deliverance is for me. And deliverance is my ministry. And so what are we gonna do right now is we're gonna go back into a moment of worship. And let me tell you this, if you gotta get kids and go, you have my blessing. But if you're here, and you need to begin this moment of deliverance where you are delivered from yourself. Greater freedom, greater measure. If you need deliverance today from yourself, from the demonic, from thoughts that are not your own, from suicide, depression, whatever it is, lust, any chain that binds, any chain that tries to define, any chain that tries to define God's Word over your life and God's Spirit in your life, we're going to have deliverance. I got Prophet Zach ready to go. If I could have more core leaders, or if you just want to come down here to the altar and you want to sit and get delivered with the Lord all into your own, but start making your way right now if that's you. We're, I'm going to pray, and we're going to go into this song, and we are going to open up a moment of deliverance right now. Freedom is coming to this house again and again and again. And today, God, we say we are not content with a clean cup on the outside. No, God. Right now, Lord. Hamza, you can join Zach up here. Right now, God, we say, Lord. We say, Lord, look within us, God. Reveal to us, Lord, right now what we need to be delivered from, what chains we are still stuck in, what things are going awry in us, God, that are leaving us powerless, beaten, naked, running for our lives in fear of hell, in fear of man, and none of it in reverence to you, God, right now. Lord, we just say, God, God it's you. You are our deliverance. You are where our help comes from right now. If that's you, to start making your way. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for me. Deliverance is for you now. Deliverance is for you now. Right now, God, we are going and we are confessing our sin. We are divulging information. Right now, God, we are bringing our items, God. We are laying marijuana down, God. We are laying prescription drugs down, God. We are laying cocaine and, and heroin down, God. Right now, Jesus, we are laying down witchcraft and crystals. We are laying down TikTok and New Age beliefs. We are laying down identities that we have walked in that have kept us chained to hell and locked out of heaven's plan for us, God. Right now, Jesus, we are laying down the sins of our fathers that have